Welcome back to another episode of Mastermind. This is episode seven in the series that we have going inside of Ad Creative. We've had a really great response to these episodes. Some of the practical knowledge that you can take from these, these really incredible leaders and how you've been able to employ them day to day in your business. That leads us to our guest today, Shireen Auburn. She is the head of growth at Bobby. She's an incredible thinker in the space. If you don't follow her on Twitter, you're missing some incredibly, incredibly comedic slash epic takes on growth and the DDC space in general. What we focus on today is how you should be looking at different points in the year to actually find your own Black Friday and how profitability is going to lead to a whole host of other things unlocking your business. And so you really need to dig down deep in your model with how you're actually constructing the payback periods, etc., so that you can get to first order profit and make sure things are running smoothly so you can scale from there. No matter what, if you're a founder, a growth leader, or someone just starting out and wanting to dive deep into this space, this is an episode for you. And if you're looking at this for Black Friday, this might be a great episode to do as a post-mortem so that you can look at what you've done and what you've got going forward and how you can be tweaking some things in the future. Let me know what you think. Enjoy the episode. Okay, everyone, I am here to run it back for another episode of Mastermind, and I have Shireen Aubert. I say Aubert because it makes me feel good, but um, she is the head of head of growth, but she has titled herself the head of sloth at Bobby, um, and she's one of the, I don't know, for me, one of the special minds in our space, and so I was really excited when she agreed to come on and have another chat with us about growth strategy through the back half of Q4, um, through your Black Friday and holiday and into Q1 planning. So, Shireen, thanks for joining us. It's uh, it's a real pleasure. Thank you, Chase. Excited to be here. Yeah, you guys, uh, Shireen doesn't do this for me often. She goes on everyone else's podcast, but she's like, I have to beg her every <laughs> single time. So, um, Shireen, like on a on a macro level before, so we, we talk about growth a lot, and it is it is kind of the the many faced god. If you watch uh, Game of Thrones and remember that stuff, um, what what is growth in your mind? I have my own definition, but I'm really curious where you come from and how many different ways people have said it. Because like, there's all these head of growth, growth hacker, growth specialist, all these jobs, and you're like, well, what do you actually do? Um, so, how do you define growth? Yeah, some people confuse growth marketing with performance marketing and head of paid acquisition and head of growth make those synonymous. But to me, head of growth is the person who's the throat to choke if you don't hit your revenue and profitability numbers. And they have to have a deep understanding of digital advertising. They have to be dangerous when it comes to brand marketing. They have to understand paid, they have to understand CRO, retention, the whole funnel, referral, loyalty, all of that falls under growth. Um, you know, you see in some companies, growth and retention are separate. In some companies, they're on the same team. Um, but it's really the person who can take a bird's eye view at the company, the financials, where you're trying to go and be able to drive performance with the levers that they have. So I look at the growth levers as marketing channels and also promotion, offer, um, product platform, digital, you know, your website features, um, anything that will drive conversion from a profitable standpoint. 
I love that definition. I think um, what you just talked about is a T-shaped marketer. And, you know, it's very good to be an expert in something. I think uh, one of the things I have um, just, by, I don't know, like a forcing function of being in the, the company and role where we're a bit smaller is you have to start getting dangerous at certain things. So you come in with like a certain expertise and then they're like, hey, can you do this? Like, yeah, sure. Uh, you go figure it out. And then you you get you go through the trenches of a year of doing something. You're like, well, I'm not an expert, but I'm dangerous. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm no Excel God, but I've watched enough, you know, I've watched enough uh, YouTube videos and TikToks on how to do Excel that I can, you know, like I said, be dangerous and get things done and send models out. And so every, the way I always tell people is like, if you want to be a growth marketer, like you said, you need to be dangerous in brand and you need to know how to manipulate data. Like those two things simultaneously, that kind of, because by themselves, there's a lot of kind of tension, but those two things can help you. Re and, and then obviously product, right? Product kind of sits on top of that. But like for me, growth is about repeatability. So can you get people coming back to you regularly? And a lot of times I find, maybe you find this too, in a lot of the D2C brands, this is not so much in tech because it's like kind of a whole team, but like retention is its own thing. And then acquisition is its own thing. And then product is its own thing. It's like, well, no, no, these things are all like, it's, you know, it's a, uh, it's a stool. It's a three-legged stool. They all work together. Right. And they all are there to make sure that we kind of get the loop spinning so that like one purchase begets another purchase begets another purchase. And we kind of obviously like expand that LTV. Um, anyway, profitably obviously is the number one uh, buzzword of the day. So we got that definition. Hers better than mine. Um, <laughs> when you think about those points that you gave us about what growth is, how should people be looking at that for, you know, the coming st storm is storm is unfair, but the, the coming um, like rising waves of uh, choppy, choppy seas of, um, of the rest of Q4. So going to Black Friday and holiday, what should they be doing to kind of get themselves ready? Yeah, I think the thing that is going to get people in trouble is driving revenue for the sake of driving revenue and not looking beyond Q4 to understand what is happening. I mean, it's it's an unfair situation that businesses are in right now because you have to be profitable. Your brand has to mean something to people. Um and you have to keep driving growth. So like, how do you do all those things? If you're, if you're in a position where you haven't built up profitable acquisition or this flywheel, um, I hate that word, but everyone, it's like, there's no other way to describe it. It's a flywheel. It's got to keep feeding into itself. It's the snake that eats its own tail. If you haven't built that up, um, you're, you're kind of in a, you know, in a poor position. So yeah, I mean, you, you really can't sacrifice any of those things in if, in this. If you had to sacrifice one thing. So let's just say we have that whole, like, we have that. So I think one of the things you said, um, which is really important, is you know, Black Friday, yes, you have a, a year-end close with your accounting team. And yes, you want to show good numbers. Um, but you also want to be, you know... Uh, you also want to be a bit of positive on, on those, on those customers and on your kind of bottom line. 
going through the end of the year. And based on how they purchase and the purchase patterns of that time, it could have a pretty detrimental effect to the long term. Um, and especially those kind of numbers, maybe like your revenue pops up, but that bottom line number that you're trying to hit, especially today, based on, you know, the macro headwinds we have, um, we're not, that's not going to do that for you. So this is something, it's funny. It's like six months ago, it was a hot take to say, Hey, no revenue at all costs. You got to get every dollar of revenue out. Now it's like, you know, the market changes on a dime. And that's kind of the impressive thing is people kind of just pivot and they say, no, no, we have to do this now is. It shouldn't, you shouldn't be selling out, in my mind, you shouldn't be selling out just for kind of getting that revenue number because it could, like you said, have really long-term effects on your business that drag your numbers down in Q1 and Q2 and even into Q3 because you're modeling out how much revenue and how much spend you can do based on that acquisition during that time. Um, so I'm saying yeah. that, what do you think? Yeah, what, what you said earlier is really important is that growth marketers have to be data analysts and really understand the data. I see a lot of people making quick decisions without consulting data that can be detrimental to their business. That can be anything from the percentage of a discount that you use in Black Friday to how many eggs you have in the paid media basket and not, you know, great channel diversification um, to what what types of customers are you acquiring? What is your pricing? Like all of these things are massive questions that people make uh, because they think we have Black Friday coming up and we're trying to hit some targets. So let's just push scale. And, and then I think we see this hangover in Q1 that a lot of brands... Um, experience. And yeah, I think there's, there's ways to manage around that. So how would you, so I think that last part, gives me a, a very easy question. How would you manage around it? You got to know your financials. You got to know what, you know, it, it all starts with a financial model and forecasting. So yeah. the way that I like to forecast is net new net new customers coming in mm. how many what is their retention how how have cohorts been retained over time and how will, how do we predict that they will continue purchasing once they're acquired how much does it cost to acquire them and what percentage of our acquisition is coming from non-paid channels so it's like really a few things retention paid cac and the percentage of uh, customers that are coming from organic. Um, that's like the ingredients to kind of make up a forecast. Yeah. And obviously it's going to be really hard to explain how to do that in a, in a yeah, podcast. For sure. But then I think you, you got you to gotta layer in like your discount amount mm. and all the other factors, all the OPEX, everything else that goes into running your business. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you want to make sure that what are you offering your customers that is not going to hurt your business? And a lot of people go for that, like, you know, full-blown discount everything, mark everything down, ramp up ad spend, take a hit on paid CAC. Um, and that could be 
fine if you're looking for like top line revenue, you're looking for an, an injection of cash and you don't have any pressure to be, to maintain, you know, profitability, which is not a lot of businesses. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a balance of those and it's doing deep analysis on all of those factors yeah. and understanding how much it's, it's really costing you to hit those numbers. I think that's, uh, really important you brought in OPEX. What, one thing we, we always do when we're, we're doing our projections is we will have kind of a, like a three-pronged model, which is like, hey, look, if margins didn't matter, what would be okay? And then let's like waterfall down to like, okay, let's just do GTM margins. Okay, let's do like all in, what is the kind of gross margin of this company? Where are we? And then where can we take a hit in the middle? Because we know the LTV runway of this customer and like what it's going to mean based on the price point that they came in at. And if we can, you know, take for instance, a certain percentage of those customers and take them up to a bigger plan or a bigger, you know, a bigger product set, what would that mean in terms of bringing, like expanding that, right? So that we have more money to reinvest in the business. One thing I, like you were talking about right now, one thing I always push people to do is take that gross margin you have or like that like that final CAC that you're okay with and understand what a payback period would look like on that so that you know how how quickly you're kind of cash flow positive um by the way this is this works for SaaS and d2c this has nothing to do with like one industry or another like these financial models it's really just based on the inputs that you have they're all kind of it's all kind of the same um so i'm talking SaaS wise but you know shireen exactly what you're saying is what, what i think about and so for growth, it really does come down to like, how much money do you actually have to give? Because ROAS is blended ROAS without that actual financial piece involved is not a good indicator of what you actually need to be making. There, I don't say order of magnitude, that's very hyperbolic, but it is incrementally higher than you think it is of what you need to be making to feel like you're in a good place or that you need to know how quickly you can get that person into a repeat purchase. If you're like, for instance, Bobby is, you know, when you get someone into the subscription, it's a, I mean, I would assume actually, this is a good question. Is it a monthly or like a bi-monthly subscription? Do you guys do four cans, five cans of formula at a time? Like what's the structure that you guys go with there? How do you think about that? Yeah, we have, uh, we have different can sizes based on the different, uh, feeding requirements of babies. So we have like four, eight, and 10. And then we have a monthly subscription with an option to change the subscription, you know, time to, to like space it out. So like once every two months. Um, but for us, it's really understanding the customer experience and what's the optimal experience. And a lot of the offers happening right now are are just like let's let's lick a finger and put it in the air and figure out a discount amount that we think people are, are going to want because there's this is a period of discounting so we should discount and people want this amount um, but I think it's really truly understanding your customer and the yeah. experience that they're trying to have yeah so for baby formula an important thing in making a an important consideration in the purchasing journey is can I try it will my baby mm. like it. So one of our best offers of all time is a trial and like yeah. getting a trial into subscription for some businesses, that is the offer. Yeah. Um, for other businesses, that might not be the offer, but it's like, yeah. you got to think about why someone's making the purchase and match your offer 
to yeah. what their actual goals are. Yeah. And the same is true. That's like an acquisition offer. The same is true for a retention offer. Mm -hmm. For our customers at Bobby, they want to make sure that they don't miss a shipment because of holiday shipping delays. Mm -hmm. You can't miss a baby formula shipment. You can't yeah. just not have baby formula late to no, your house. No, 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 no. So for, for us, it's not like a discount that would, you know, drive purchase. It's how do we make this experience the best for consumers? So let's tell them that they should push up their ship date. And as a result, we get the benefit of being able to capture some cash earlier in the month, yeah. which is yeah. great. Um, or having having orders that would have been a month apart be a, be half a month apart. And that's a byproduct that works really well in growth's favor, but it comes yeah. with a, the customer experience first as like the first reason for what we're doing. So I think it's like, you have to start with a reason for what you're doing that m meets the customer's expectations. And then it has to work with your financial model. And that yeah. is like the sweet spot of growth. Oh, that's, that's killer. It's almost like you have your financial model, so you know where you need to go, but you need to match the why of the customer and the, what you can give them that matches the why and then synthesize the two things. That's yeah. I've never yeah. thought about it that way. That's brilliant. I mean, so I think you're a unique, um, you're a unique individual in this space who has a really high EQ and like, um, and IQ, I guess. And so you're, you're quant, but you yeah, also most, can't most individuals in our space don't have, uh, EQ at all. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I will neither confirm nor deny that. Um, if you're watching the video, I'm laughing and nodding. So yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. But I, I think um, one thing I, I experience is really interesting is like, for me, there are better data driven marketers than me, straight up. Um, and then there are better, like, psychology first mar marketer, brand marketers are focused on psychology. But synthesizing the two things is a really unique skill. And it's, it's really important to know if that is your thing so that you can become like that person who's bringing those things together. So if you have your financial modeling down, which by the way, you can learn that there's a lot of courses and different things you can take to become exceptional at that. Again, Phil major right now talking to you. Okay. I have no business doing financial models. Um, figured out. Right. Um, but that EQ side where you're talking about the customer, their experience, why they're here, what they need. Um, I've said this, I think to you, but many other people's like, you look at a spreadsheet and you say, oh, this is, this data point means this. It's like, you know, that's a human being. Like you said, they have a baby. They need food now. They're not, they don't give a crap about your shipping problems. And you say like, well, freight is this, it's that. Like my margins get ruined. They're like, look, my baby needs food. Like if you can't figure it out, fuck off. You know, I'll go find someone who will. Um, or I'll go get the can from Target and then I'm having a psychologically negative, like my psych is terrible. Um, or like Kenny says, like a, a penny out of the bank, piggy bank. Um, so really smart, really, really smart. How do you, um, how do you get people to focus on that in a world where revenue targets kind of eat up everyone? Because I think this is like the big thing here with growth strategy, right? How do you plan for the long term when you're so intensely focused on the short term when the short term can really bring down, you know, like it's this weird 
like this strange tension, especially given kind of the doom and gloom we have in the markets right now, um, where you feel like you're fighting for your life um, more than it has been in you know, I don't know, four or five years. Um, and so how, how do you feel people should be balancing that? And um, like, what's your thoughts there? There is this major tension between short, short-term goals and long-term goals. And if you're only operating towards the goals for revenue this month or next month, you are going to make decisions that are sacrificing your long-term success. So I think any short-term decisions and strategy that is made has to be made in the lens of how is this decision going to impact three to five years down the line for the business? And I, I think a lot of businesses don't have don't have I would I don't I don't want to say the luxury to think of it that way, but they don't have the discipline to think of it that way. Like you have to discipline yourself to think of the long term first before you make decisions. I this is just something that I think about a lot. Like Black Friday, Cyber Monday is the best time of year for a lot of businesses, but it is the worst time of year to advertise. It's the most expensive time of year to advertise. So you're paying a premium on your ads and you're discounting. So it's just like, I like, and I like love Black Friday. I think it's great. But I also think like we all do Black Friday because we're supposed to do Black Friday and because it's done so well for so long. But have we thought about like what the major retailers have started doing. And I mostly mean Amazon is they create their own moments in the year. They've invented their own holiday. And this is why brand marketing is so important because if you have a brand that people trust and that is credible and that, and you have loyalty, you can afford to create your own holidays. Like, yeah, not everyone is Amazon, but if you are a small brand with a niche market and, you know, super fans and you say, Hey, our Black Friday is in September. I mean, I don't know. I'm not suggesting don't participate in Black Friday. I'm suggesting don't rely on Black Friday and think about Q1 and think about the moments that make sense for your brand and your customer. And, you know, my brand, Bobby, we don't have seasonality. It's baby formula. We, we have to create our own seasonality. So what does creating seasonality mean for for other brands. And Black Friday is moving up earlier and earlier every year. Like we saw um, Amazon do Prime Day in the beginning of October. Like that is basically they're capturing and competing with everyone a month or two before everyone is in their buying moment. One second. Yeah, I went back. Sorry about that. So everyone is, mm -hmm. everyone, every brand is waiting till the week of Thanksgiving yeah, yeah. run their sale and Amazon just ran their sale in the beginning of October. And if you're selling X, Y, or Z, Amazon's also selling it and they captured that customer from you. So I think it's like the whole D to C like mass mindshare is kind of like, lemurs running off a cliff <laughs> off of the black friday cliff yeah and it's like that's like a lot of brands hail hail mary to stay alive and i think it's like it's coming we're coming into a season where you got to do things differently yeah 
I mean, I think that's um, what you're saying is is definitely right, which is it's going to be integral to the to the future, like future ability of brands um, to look at Black Friday and understand. For instance, this is time for closeouts. I'm just going to use my list, right? And I'm going to close out everything that's burning a hole in my pocket at my 3PL or in my own personal warehouse. Like, I just got to get rid of this shit, right? But if you know you have stuff that crushes 11 months out of the year, why are you giving this one month or this two-week window, if you will, three-week window, so much power where it can crater your profitability numbers and, and those customers aren't good customers? And I'm always, um, it's a, it's a very fascinating thing to be counter, I don't know, to think counterintuitively, right? So, um, you brought up Amazon as a great example. I heard an example on some sports show the other day and this uh, Alex Rodriguez was talking about baseball and he said, you know, why doesn't baseball have a day? You know, you know, uh, college football has January 1st, the NFL has Thanksgiving, basketball has Christmas day. And they're all like a celebration of the sport. Baseball should just be, you know, seven games on July 4th. And it's all the best teams that have the biggest markets getting to later on July 4th. And obviously these are huge, massive, you know, century old things that are like part of the, um, not just part of the zeitgeist. That's not, that's not right. They're part of the fabric of this country. Um, but what if you are part of the fabric of a person's life? You know, we subscribe, everyone subscribes to certain things and like, what if there was a Netflix day, right? We don't know. Um, like they have these now Disney has like a Disney D 23 expo that people lose their minds and go to. That's very cool. Um, similarly, you can have something at a small scale and be able to do that. And essentially, like you said, make your own black Friday, um, which I think is yeah, it's definitely the, the route. I think everyone's going to go, of course, what's going to happen is once Shireen, you know, makes this, the, the dominant thing in the market, black Friday is going to go away. And uh, everyone's going to, there's going to be all these days. It's going to be like the holidays, right? There's like, Hey, this is my second child. This is second child's day. And this is, uh, this is decaf coffee day. You know, all the days on the calendar um, that people have made. Um, I get like these notifications that it's national husband's day, like six times a year. And I'm like, I'm never celebrated. You know, um, what, what is this? You know what we need? We need to collectively do is have people on the inside at Amazon leak when prime day is going to happen so we can all run our sales two weeks before yeah, prime day 100 <laughs> percent, because they're, they're going to suck all the air out of the room um so i think we, we talked about a few things what channels uh, i'm going to get into this one and this is kind of probably my my final one because i think you gave people a couple calls to arms that i think are incredibly salient and interesting for for um for the future for today, what channels are you still thinking actually work to drive acquisition? Because uh, we have email and SMS um, on top of all of that. Is it Facebook? Is I, it TikTok? Is it Google? Or is it just completely audience dependent? I think Facebook, Google are still, you know, yeah. some of the best. I, I think TikTok too. I. I think though uh, another one that that is really interesting to me is TV and yeah. TV you know to give context on on how I I the best the most successful way to run Black Friday in my mind is if it 
creates continued momentum for your brand going into Q1 where you don't pull back ad spend drastically in Q1, but you use it as a jumping off point to keep your ad spend elevated given efficiency, you know, all things, all other things have to be true. Your retention has to be tight and your organic acquisition has to be tight, but Black Friday should be an awareness building and momentum building. If you are truly spending a massive amount Mm. of cash compared to when you usually spend, and that should be a jumping off point for the next year. So you shouldn't bring your spend levels back down. You should keep momentum high. Yeah. And I found success in running TV over the, top of black friday going into the beginning of the next quarter and and um and depending on your budget and if you have the ability to do it um tv does create a lift across all channels and it creates greater efficiencies for other channels obviously you know obviously all all things have to be taken with a grain of salt and the data has to be analyzed and consulted um but tv really does create a lot of brand acquisition um brand awareness and and like you know spill over into organic acquisition shows up you know however however you attribute it it does create lift across all channels i mean this is the this is kind of the the funny i don't know like misconception i think this happened with the generation of marketers us by the way um included in this that have come up over the last uh decade or so is We've all been kind of fed this steady drip of data, whether it's right or not. And so we don't remember the days pre-attribution, right? Like even er- our early days in our career, there was still more attribution than there ever was to 10 years prior, right? Before it was just like, hope, prayer, does the revenue go up? We're doing these correlation analysis, trying to see if people bought. There was no way to really tell. Um and I think what we're going back to is like a middle ground, right? Pendulum swings one way, then pendulum swings the other way. And kind of we find our way back to the middle, which is it's about having a fully baked strategy that understands there are people everywhere and we just need to remind them of our product and they'll buy when they're going to buy. And we just need to make sure that we're spending money in the places that get them warm as fast as possible. Um, and we, we're never going to know which channel is going to be the one that gets them there, but we need to be, I don't know. I know everyone's talking about omni-channel strategy like it's some new fucking thing. Um, <laughs> really not. Um, it's just there's more diversified channels now. Um, I know I love hearing yeah. people talk about direct mail. Like, direct mail. Direct mail has been around for like since time immemorial. I don't really understand um, why that's interesting. It's good. Like it's a great yeah. channel. I'm really excited about what people are doing, but um, not new. The other thing I'm really excited about is and this kind of goes back to the like traditional marketing way of measuring things. It's just like brand measurement, market research, brand intelligence, like yeah. measuring your brand awareness over sustained periods of time. And this doesn't make sense for every business. It makes sense for businesses that are like at a higher growth Mm. maturity, but like being able to measure if you are making investments in brand marketing, being able to measure how your brand moves over time, Mm. your, the market segments of people that are in market and how they perceive your brand versus others, that stuff becomes more, more important when you are an omni-channel brand and you have people discovering you for the first time in Target or Walmart and not just D to C yeah. um, that, that like 
goes outside of, you know, just the, the pure D to C yeah. attribution. Yeah. Well, this is, this is killer guys. What Shereen and I did was we said, Hey, black Friday, you're stupid. Don't participate. <laughs> We're going to show you how to get out of the black Friday blues. That's, that's what this episode is going to be called. Get out of the black Friday blues. Um, disclaimer, disclaimer. Yeah. yeah. I love black Friday. Brands should keep doing it, but I think we need to question why are we paying premiums yeah. on ad <laughs> inventory on discounting our pro yeah, products? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like let's let's really just take out financials. <laughs> all of our uh, why should we let's just take all of our margin and get the worst customers possible into our product <laughs> and then we're gonna spend money, send money to Clavio to send them emails and texts, and within three weeks they'll unsubscribe. I'm literally just going through a customer journey. We've all seen that, right? We go see, we're like, oh shit, we got all these customers. And three weeks later, we look at our list. We're like, oh, they're all gone because they unsubscribe from uh, our annoying emails. Um, these are the questions no one's asking. Like, yeah. how does this? How does this actually play out financially? Yeah, but I think that's like that's the real growth question, right? Like, we can sit here and talk about channels and like, oh, ad spend, creative, all these you know things that, um, you know, all these. The, all the thread boys get uh, get um, more followers on, but the real question really comes down to your financials. Does what you're doing to grow the business make sense to sustain the business? Like, because growth, yeah. if you're not actually growing, is not growth. Um, it's just like revenue expansion. Those are two entirely separate things. Um, totally. And, so, and if yeah, if your goal is top line revenue and you have capital to invest in growing top line revenue and you don't care about becoming profitable right now, then it makes a ton of sense. If you're yeah. a business that is hanging on for dear life and you're about to invest a ton of cash into ad spend at three X the costs and discount your product, then I would consider the strategy and consider your offer yeah. and consider you know, building out more organic momentum ahead of Q1. So guys, this was, this was an incredible, incredible episode. Shireen cracked open her head and showed us um, some of the great things that are inside there. You should, if you want more information like that, we're going to link it out in the show notes. She's an incredible follow on, on the bird, on the bird app, um, as well as on, um, on LinkedIn. So we'll, we'll link out both of those. Um, Anywhere else they should uh, they should reach out to you, Shereen? That's it. I'm so honored to have cracked open my head. Yeah, it was great. It was great. <laughs> the chisel, just just little little two Persians, two Persians talking uh, talking finance. Our our dads would be proud of us. They would be proud. Yeah, I've been banging my head against the wall for hours in preparation yeah. for this podcast. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the hard hitting questions. We're we're going to be on CNN next. <laughs> Damn Thank you, right. Thanks, Chase.